Hi, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Hi, hi, Mark. How are you going? I gather you're now up in Queensland. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, uh, I've, I've, you know, did a clinic in Adelaide and then uh, driven through the middle of Australia, up um, through the Streslecky Desert into a little tiny town called Inaminka, then Thargaminda and into southeast Queensland. Uh, so from western Queensland, drove right through Queensland into uh, southeast Queensland, where I'm now at uh, the Noosa Equestrian Centre, which is uh, they've hosted me. Uh, at the last minute, they've managed to hire out their, their undercover arena here, which is great because um, you know the clinics I'm doing at the moment are all pop up, pop up clinics due to all the clinics that we've cancelled throughout Victoria. So uh, it's been been great to be able to sort of you know find centres to be able to um, you know hire and also um, you know to be able to sort of fill the clinics at last minute notice to, to you know to keep to keep the show on the road, I suppose. Yeah, I'm, I imagine there'll be lots of people out there that'll be happy to, to see you and, and get your help while you're up there. Um, and you were just recently in South Australia working with a mule, I gather. Yeah, I, I, it, being in Australia, we don't have a lot of mules. Like over the years, like in the you know, years ago, there, there was a quite a few donkeys around. But but in Australia, we've sort of, there, there hasn't been that sort of, um, you know, not a lot of people breed mules. So it's sort of very rare to see mules at clinics. But uh, this lady breeds a few mules and she brought a mule along. And uh, I think on her standards, um, this was one of her sort of tougher mules in, in a sense of, uh, I guess, his um, his intelligence, but also he he had quite a stoic side. But it was really interesting working with him and quite enjoyable. Um, but I, I guess I really enjoy the challenges of new new things and sort of horses and and mules now with uh, with you know sort of little areas that you've got to really think about and also yeah challenge challenge myself and challenge the person who, who owns them so it's great nice to get a bit of variety all right i'm going to start with the first question um, for you mark it's from kate she says what do you do if your horse doesn't react to the flag at all no matter how loud you make it there's been a couple of other comments from um, members as well saying that they have maybe use the flag too much as well, desensitising and would love to hear the answer. Yeah, it's, it is a tough one. Uh, and, and I come across it quite a lot, especially especially with the, uh, you know, some of the colder, you know, colder blood horses that have had, a, you know, plenty of flooding in the past. And flooding's not just sort of education. Uh, you know, you know, some people think oh, I've flooded my horse with a flag and I've done the whole desensitising, sensitising thing. And now the horse is, you know, quite desensitize when 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 it's in this sort of certain environment and and, I, and I'm picking up things around it flooding is just you know uh, a horse you know being flooded with a whole bunch of things in a human environment you know from rugs to picking up their feet and things like that and 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 they become safe and unawares of danger and things like that so they they start to sort of just go oh yeah yeah um and the hardest thing I guess we have in training is to sort of get a horse to, to, to start to be thoughtful and you know a little bit self-motivated and um and having a bit of a, a neutral anxiety is is just about a bit like a neutral anxiety could be just like you're riding along and a kangaroo starts I say kangaroo a lot I know it's just one of those things that you sort of say well you know but a kangaroo might hop along in the distance or something like that or, or 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 you might hear a tractor or something and the horse starts to get a little bit tense and start to look around a bit and that's that's what horses naturally have in the wild and um after a while there's all these things that we throw at them and 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 then eventually they're dull to all those things that they're, 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 there's no 
sort of danger in them, I suppose, and, and because we've kind of wanted them not to think that things that we have are, are dangerous. But um, what I've found is when the horses don't see any danger in anything around us, um, then people tend to apply a lot of pressure on their horses. You know, they put a lot of push and force and, and that's where they have to use that sort of driving to sort of get motivate horses to do stuff. So, so when I'm training horses in the early stages, you know, I, I, I don't want to make a horse quiet to everything I throw at it. I just want to know that the horse, the things I need to put on it, like saddle blankets and, and rugs that it's okay with, but I, I want to sort of still have a natural awareness in them. And, uh, and when it's been taken out of them, um, it, it is a little bit harder. So if your horse is very, uh, uh, you know, not so sensitive to the flag, um, there's, the, you can sometimes be a little bit random with it, as in, you know, just pop it randomly do and could be completely different in where you're standing or where you put it or whether you put it up in the air and just try and, you know, you know, maybe get big with it in a different place and the horse will go, oh, what was, what, what was that? What was that? I don't know what that was. And then, um, and then, and then you do it again and the horse goes, oh, I didn't know what that was. I'm not sure about that. Uh, and then, and then next time you just sort of move the flag a little bit, the horse will be like, oh, I better pay a bit of attention because, you know, um, I'm a bit unsure what's happening around me. Now, now people might sort of question that and go, oh, well, you know, you're, you're stressing the horse a little to get it to learn, but, um, if that, if that little bit of anxiety is neutral, then your pathway of feel and your ideas are not such a bad thing for the horse and, and, and you get a stronger connection and, and, and also they get a stronger connection to the, uh, the things that you're teaching them, like, you know, following a rain or something like that. So, um, and actually on the last clinic, I'm the, the, one of the ladies who, uh, that I met, she, she, in, in many years ago, hosted Harry Whitney in Australia and she was talking about his uh, exploding box analogy and, uh, and it, was, it was a really good analogy in, in the sense because I had someone else once upon a time try to explain it to me who, who'd, who'd spent some time with Harry Whitney or had been to one of his clinics and, and, and I really had a hard job trying to understand it but um, she explained it to me um, and, and basically it's, it's kind of what I'm trying to say about the flag I suppose Pose, but basically if there was an exploding box and we knew about it but the horse didn't know about it then the horse is really going to freak out when that box explodes um but if we know about it we're not going to freak out but if the horse knows that there's a possible exploding box out there then it stays aware in its environment so when things happen it's not going to freak out as much but also it's an aware enough to follow pathways and you know, in our ideas, because its awareness level is up enough um, to to take on all the information uh, and search and make decisions and stuff like that. So I, I I don't know if everyone can understand what I'm saying there, but 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 that that was a good analogy. And you know, I guess that's what what having a horse aware and having a flag is there for is to create an awareness so a horse can ha have that. So then it can search and things like that. So if you think of it like that, um, that's what the flag's for. But to get the horse sensitive is the hard one. So you can use other tools and stuff like that. So when you're out and you're, you're sort of with your horses and you're, you know, sometimes you can sort of maybe 
you know, just lead them up a little faster instead of sort of just walking across the paddock like you always do. You can lead them up just a little faster and say, hey, I'm in a bit of a hurry today and I want to get over to that gate in a hurry and, uh, oh, hang on a minute, I just dropped my watch or I, I dropped something on the ground and I better go again. And 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 sometimes you can just get your horses uh, a little bit more stimulated and motivated in, in your environment so they start to naturally wake up a little bit instead of just sort of go along at the normal pace that you, you go along and uh, and sometimes not being random in a way that makes the horse uh, mistrust you or anything like that, but just being sort of, uh, um, I guess how I, I say that, just being not different so they don't trust you, but just a little bit more um, maybe busy and the horse's mind goes, oh, right, I've got to wake up a little bit and pay attention. And then as, as you're sort of a little bit busy, you might have your flag and then you might quickly pop it while you're doing something where the horse would have never seen you pop the flag at that time. So it would have maybe gone, oh, gee, what was that? You just popped the flag. And usually you don't pop the flag when you're doing that. And, and the horse wakes up just a little more and maybe pays a little more attention. And, and, and I think you can just kind of just do it in a way that, that is a little bit surprising for your horse, but not sort of crazy enough and overly random to get your horse to mistrust you or, or suddenly become frightened that you've completely changed. Um, and, I, and I think if you sort of try and be a little bit more creative like that, you, you might get the horse interested in the flag a little more or not interested in it, sorry, but more aware of it. So then when you pop it, uh, it'll suddenly wake up into its normal environment. But if the flag's not working, you can throw it away and um, and, you, and just basically be a little bit more, um, you know, uh, just just get him thinking a little stronger about, about what he's doing. And, and that's being you, you may being a little more busy and, uh, changing some of the normal things that you that you do. Uh, I, I might lead you up, up the garden path by sort of say, saying all this, but I, I hope that kind of makes sense. Okay, and then next question, I'm going to move on quite quickly because you've got a lot to get through. Uh, the next question is from Ivan. Uh, Ivan says, when you lead your horse, what is your preferred placement and why, i.e. is it at the shoulder or in front or somewhere else? So leading horses, uh, it's really like I lead horses in different positions uh, in, uh, for different reasons. So sometimes in education, I'll lead them um, in a certain position because I want to teach them to search forward. So sometimes I might get a horse to lead out in front of me and that's so they can sort of lead out and take on the environment in front of us. So when I'm riding later on, they're used to that and they're used to sort of you know, having me behind them and stuff like that. So, and then other times a horse that is, is really fractious and, and, and needs someone to lead it and uh, need, needs a good leader, I'll lead out in front. Uh, but, but basically what I'm wanting or teaching horses to do is wherever I put the feel of my hand and that lead rope, they're happy to follow. So there shouldn't be any position that, that the horse gets used to so it becomes like oh that's the position I always lead in it should be well we just might place the horse out on that left side or we might just place the horse out on that right side or we might just might just ask it to come through and maybe lead out in front um, but basically as long as your horse is uh, following the feel of a lead rope and you've taught it to to, to follow that to wherever that goes and it's kind of happy to place there I think it's really important to be able to put the horse in all positions um, but being mindful of the fact that if you're walking up a 
a bit of a sort of a, a bit of an alleyway where there's something scary on the right, then you can always put your horse, put you on the right side, on the side of the scary thing and your horse could be on the other side. So nobody gets run over. So you're the, you know, us as us, us knowing our horses and where they are, they are at emotionally. Um, I think it's important to sort of go, okay, predict, the dangers if we sort of walk up an alleyway and we're going to get run over well we put ourselves on the scary side and put our horse on the other side so if we feel our horse starting to drift off a little and go i'm really scared of that on what's over there then we might just change the angle of them our leading hand swap hands send them out the other side like ask them to come out the other side and say well you just come on that side then and we can always adjust where we're leading them so i think you have to be very flexible with leading and uh, and the horse is comfortable on both eyes and things like that. But education leading, well, you can sort of, you can, you can say, well, I'd like you to lead here or I'd like you to lead out the front and that sort of thing. But um, there's no specific spot. It's just that are they able and willing to be in any spot if we need to put them there? We can hear the stallion, uh, for, for everyone out there hearing that occasional bang, it's a stallion <laughs> kicking something in the background. So we'll, we'll... No, that's all right. There's, well, I'm, I'm just near some stables and there's there's, there's new horses, uh, you know, in paddocks that are arriving to the clinic and things like that. So there's a little bit of uh, noise in the background. But, um, yeah, being on the road, uh, there's no sound studios for podcasts or anything. It's just uh, ad hoc where we are and, and yeah. With everything that comes with it. Okay, the next question is from Carolyn. She was at your clinic in Perth. Um, she went to it with um, a, a recently broken in mare who braces in the rain when you ask her to stop or even close the fingers on the rain. She's been using the techniques that she learned at the clinic and they've been working really well. And she's just wondering is there anything else that she should be working on? So she's bracing in the forwards and backwards. So she was working on the bracing, um, which was when she stopped. Uh, and when she, um, sorry, let me just have a look at that question again. Um, she's been using the technique she learnt there to release the brace, and it has been working. The brace is occurring when she asks for a backup or a stop. Is there anything else that she should be working on? Yeah, okay. So, so the bigger, the, the biggest problem we're going to have and we what we seem to always have is um, getting a horse to let go of something. I think one of the most important things that we're teaching horses or the, the, the one of the most important things we're trying to understand and become very good at is the effectiveness of, of getting a horse to let go of something. And uh, and and the, the better and better a horse gets at letting go of something, the, the softer it becomes in the sense of it's willing to take on a new idea, but to take on a new idea, it has to let go of that old idea. Um, and some horses, well, all horses I've found is, 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 you know, you can ask a horse to back up and they take a couple of like rough rigid steps and a bit of bracy steps. And then all of a sudden they sort of float backwards and continue floating backwards. And you go, geez, that's a nice backup and you reward it. But, you can reward that back up a thousand times and still never fix the transition of the horse having a forward thought then transferring that into a backward thought where the horse backs up softly. So in your in hand work and stuff like that, I do, you know, you might see me do a lot of close in hand work, like, like the stuff that you want to do when you're teaching a horse to walk up on a horse float where you get them to walk softly forward, backward, forward, backward. So they become like a really soft, you know, 
forwards, backwards sort of seesaw that they can just do it with, with you know, very floaty. So I think in hand on both eyes, just before you even ride it, you know, every day and, and even with just when you're walking out down the paddock and stuff like that, it's very important to offer, offer your horse a lot of transition where they go from forward to back and forward to back and back to forward and um, and and close in hand. So, because um, some horses need a lot of time to prepare and then they sort of crash. But I start to get them to a stage that you can have them close in hand and you can just sort of be leading them and say, oh, can you back up now and then come forward again? And, and you start to get a little bit sort of... Um, you know, get them, get them so they understand, but then you get a little random in the sense that you say, oh, can you do it now? Can you do it now? And uh, don't, don't, don't sort of have some sort of strict pattern or anything because horses can, can follow a pattern and go, as soon as you get out of pattern, they get stressed. Uh, so what, I, what I, I, I guess you do is you, you, you just sort of say, you know, yeah, we're walking here and we might just back up here and then come forward here. And sometimes, sometimes I might even walk forward while I'm actually pushing my hand back and you've got to back up while I'm walking forward. And basically, the, what your horse will start to get to understand is it doesn't matter where your feet are going when you're standing, when, when you're on the ground, uh, it's where the feel of that rain's going. And when you transfer that to riding, is, is the horse, you, you know, you're, you're behind your horse's wither there and, and, and behind their head. So, so you know, they, get, they might get a strong forward thought and um, not want to transfer that into a backup. So, um, so, if you've done a lot of that rocking forwards, backwards, transferring forwards to backwards on the ground, uh, regardless of what body language is doing and things like that, your horse starts to really start to hone in on what it's listening to in the rain. And if you if you if they get really soft and loose in your hand and and really floaty in their feet, you, 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 then that's going to transfer under saddle. So when you get that under saddle, something you might want to start to look into is just taking a step forward and then rocking them back into a backup, and then from a backup go straight to forward and rocking them back into a backup again, and then maybe take take three or four four steps forward straight into a backup and and just work on that 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 rocking horse and until until they're really rocking forwards and backwards and then you just expand that so eventually you sort of might be riding five or ten meters forward into a backup and then forward again and um and then until you feel no resistance and then you'll get to a stage that if you rode 10 meters on a loose rein or 20 meters then you've got to think well if i give my horse a loose rein and i let him out my horse destinates and what destinating is, is the horse is just casting its focus too far away. So if you sort of start to think that's, that's my horse. So what happens is the horse, um, you know, if, if you start to think, well, I ride him 10 meters, then all of a sudden he just drifts away. Then maybe you might ride him nine meters and say back up again and then keep going and, and, and work on it like that. Um, and then slowly, you know, soon enough, he'll be so connected that any time you pick up on the reins, he'll be there. That's that's great because um, Carolyn did actually um, follow up with it with another question, which we won't answer here, um, just because we've got to go on to the other questions, Carolyn. And we do limit it to to one per member, but she did say any suggestions for halfway separation anxiety, and I think you've kind of hinted that this all kind of links in, and there are loads of videos um for you on the um membership site on separation anxiety carolyn so hopefully you can just delve into those so the next question is from trilby it's a thinking question she says um mark how do you let a horse think for itself can you go into a little bit more detail please <laughs> oh gee how do i get a so so when you get a young wild horse or something like that they're constantly thinking for himself 
Um, and as I, I was talking about earlier with the first question about my horse's dull to the flag, um, there's a horse in the background you just heard then thinking for himself, <laughs> banging, banging the side of the wall. But um, so horses think for himself all the time. Um, it's how we set up boundaries. And, and one of the best sayings, but the thing about sayings, you know, years ago, I, I, I never really liked following any sort of one's method or anything like that, but there were some really cool sayings that I really enjoyed and I really, or not enjoyed, I, jo I enjoyed trying to understand them and even though it might have took me quite a few years to to really see how, how they sort of translate throughout all of our horsemanship. But one of the big sayings um, that really made sense and that that sort of, it went hand in hand with that saying that you set it up for a horse to make its own decision or search and things like that, that, you, that some people, if they followed a bit of horsemanship, they would have heard that saying. But that, that saying is you set boundaries, you don't bring your boundaries to your horses. And where that is so important is basically most horses are already searching and um, – if they search in the wrong direction, well, we can sort of put a bit of feel or firm up on a feel or put, put something there that sort of says that's not available and then they try something else. And that's basically how we're setting up our training. So um, so that's why, you know, sometimes I'll use a flag or something like that because the horse will start to look around and go, what could I do? And then if I had the weight of the rein or the weight of the rope in a certain direction, um, I might pop the flag and the horse searches and it searches. If it searches back, it finds the pressure firms up. If it searches forward, it, it finds that the pressure releases a little and until the horse follows the path of least resistance. So, so that's kind of an example of a horse, you know, searching. Um, I, I've got to try and think of, of a few other examples that are both, that, you know, really common examples. Um, so like when you're in an arena, okay, when you're riding, uh, a lot of people like to make their horse go where they want want to go, but the horse has got its own idea. It's got its own bucket list, for instance. So, um, so, so say, for instance, if you've already set up the idea that if you bump your legs or something like that, your horse is going to move forward, it's your job then to find out where the horse wants to go because you uh, if you've said move forward, you shouldn't necessarily say move forward there because then you take away all their options. But if you said move forward and then the horse goes, well, I'm going to move forward over here. Well, you let them walk there for a few steps. And then once they've done a few steps over there, they, 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 they've ticked off their bucket list. So then you might say now, oh, by the way, but that door's closed and you might take a feel, but the reins aren't just there to say door closed. The reins are there to open up a new direction. And so you, you, you're saying door closed, but try over here. And the horse goes, oh, well, that didn't work. I, and they might walk in that other direction for a little bit, but then they'll quickly turn back and go, well, I would like to go back that way. And then you might go, well, you let them walk that way a little bit. And then you say, well, now let's take that rein again and say that's not available. Come out, once you come over here. And then until after a while the horse searches and goes, well, I might go this way because that seems like the path of least resistance. So it was kind of, kind of, it's like, it, yeah, <laughs> I just don't know if you can hear that in the background, but it, there's a little cheeky horse that's coming up close to the stable and I don't think the, uh, the horse in the stable is very happy about it. But, um, yeah. but anyway, um, back to where we were. Um, so what happens then is the horse goes, well, I might try this other side because every time I went that way, that was not available, that door was closed. 
and they let go of that thought over there and they take on a new idea and that idea is sort of more in line with your idea so so then you kind of go along together and that, that's a good writing example i guess of, of setting up to, to, to a horse searches is sometimes you've got to set up a stimulant first to get the horse looking and thinking uh, and then all you have to do is you sort of set up the boundaries and rearrange the furniture in a way that your horse kind of finds its way to, to, to where you'd like it to be until it's underneath you and slowly those boundaries uh, I guess close get closer and closer until till the, the horse is underneath you and centered and following the feel of your ideas without you know it, it's basically happy to follow you uh, getting getting a horse to um to search I think is one of the one of the fascinating things to watch you do at, at a clinic it is it is great to see and um, quite novel to it to a lot of people it's, it's great yeah, and there's so many scenarios that you can sort of set up a horse to search, and that's just a riding scenario. But um, but horses are searching all the time, and the one thing I think where I think sometimes we can fail them in training is um, make them obedient so quickly that they actually stop searching, and then they lose their try, and then we just have to carry them around with more pressure, and that's where people go to, you know, bigger guns to ride their horses around because the horse is just kept and carried by pressure. They're not going towards their thoughts. They're just moving away from pressure. And and and, and that's the, the big thing that I'm really trying to sort of discourage. I'm trying to sort of say, hey, your horse is a big, strong, thoughtful animal. And, and you know, we can just sit up there and go with them as long as we can set them up to make an idea that sort of that we're both on the same page and they can do it for us. You know, why would you ride a horse if you had to carry him around all the time? We could do a whole podcast on micromanaging, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Helicopter horsemanship, I call it. It's a bit like helicopter parenting. Okay, the next question is from Naomi. Naomi says she'd like to know how to teach her standard bred. He doesn't have to be in the front of a trail ride. He's the best boy, super safe, no spook, buck or bolt, but he has to be in the front. He will walk faster or jog until he's in the lead and then he's happy. Um, He's also very forward. She doesn't dislike this. He's not worked up or anxious. She's just wondering if she can teach him how not to be in front. Okay, if he's normally very forward, even on a, uh, not on a trail ride, then a lot of horses I, I meet, they, they destinate a little in their walk and they sort of have a strong forward thought in their walk. And it's and and even though they can be nice horses and they don't seem like they're frightened of people and stuff, they, they've got used to coping by sort of putting their thoughts ahead and just going towards their thoughts in quite a fast manner. So they walk quite fast. And, and yeah, sometimes you talk about these, I, I like I talk about alpha mares that, sometimes as soon as they walk out the gate they're thinking over the horizon and they walk really good and the old stockman would have went yeah that's a good horse that mare because she can walk for days and and you know we cover the ground but in that mare's mind sometimes she was a mare that was just sort of she wasn't present she was just over the horizon and um and you get some horses that just kind of ride like that and do that and then they'll, they'll tend to be up there and they're confident enough to lead some horses want to go to the front but as soon as they get their ears out the front they go well actually i'd like to be second because uh, they're not that confident but um but when you sort of horse that just pushes up to the front chances are if it's already a forward horse not in a not in a group then uh the you, you have to teach it how to do different walks as well so like i've had a lot of horses that don't know how to walk soft and don't know how to walk slow they always kind of evade things by just marching so if that if you think your horse fits into that category then what i'd, I'd say is um don't teach them to march as in to teach your horse to take one step at a time in an environment when there's no horses and and teach him to walk slowly and until you can loose the rein and you can crawl 
and then you can loose the rein and you can do a medium walk and then you can loose the rein and you can do a fast walk. But you can do any one of those walks. Uh, and then he knows, then you know he can do it. Otherwise, you're going to take him out on trail and he's going to be a horse that he only knows how to do a really fast walk and then he's walks faster than all the other horses anyway and he ends up in front and that's where he wants to power off too. So you, you've sort of got to give him the tools away from the other horses a little bit. And then, and then something I, I used to do, you know, on trail with a lot of hot horses that used to want to sort of get up the front and things like that. I just, I just let them trickle their way up the front. And then I just might ask them once they're up the front to ride forward. So I'd actually, um, so by asking them with your legs to ride forward, once they're up the front, it actually sometimes brings their thoughts back to you and they go, Oh geez, you're pedaling me, aren't you? You're really pedaling me out. And they start to think a little bit. So you might ride him up quite a bit, you know, maybe five metres in front of everyone. Then you might just do a Yui and just trickle him back in, into the mob and just ride him, let him come up the front and then just ride him out again and then just – And but when he comes in a few horses behind, you might slow him up and just loose the rein and just see if he'll settle and just try and settle in, you know, a few a few pegs back from the lead and then see what happens. And then when he starts to push up through there, you might just ride him up through. So instead of him just dragging himself up there with you sort of with, with him not really thoughtful about you, you might – have your legs on him so he's going gee she's making me walk up through here so you're kind of drawing his thoughts back to you a little bit and then you get him out the front and then you might just sort of maybe do a couple of circles out the front so he's not just zoning out up there and he's not just off 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 with the pixies and then once he's sort of connected to you just bring him back through and just let him trickle trickle into the mob again and then after a while because because you're sort of getting him to think a bit instead of zone out you might find him might just start to settle in when you lose the rein uh behind the other horses and the other thing which uh, everyone that's listening to this had have to be very careful of is if you if there's a horse that doesn't like kicking um it's so easy to because because horses um they go back to their, their, their equines and they there are herd animals and if you put a horse at the back of the herd uh, like a back of a trail ride they will start they will slow down if they think that's where they're supposed to be so sometimes you know, I've experimented and had good success with just getting a sort of horse that doesn't kick and things like that just to block a fast horse. And if you've got a friend that can just block them a little, uh, it's almost like there's an Alfred horse at the front saying, no, no, you're not to lead. You're, you're tail end Charlie, mate. And and once a horse resides to the fact that they're tail end Charlie, it's their responsibility as a horse to, to, to put their ears back and look for the danger behind them. So a lot of times if you put a horse right at the back, and they know that the herds told them to be there, they'll actually start to put their ears back and look behind them opposed to just pushing to the front. He's just got used to taking the front as, as, as his spot. But if you put him behind and, 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 and he's, he thought the front was not available, he go, oh, gee, I have to be the back one. And, and most horses I've seen, even really forward horses, once they reside to the fact that it's their duty to look after the herd by looking behind them, they'll just loose up on a rein and just stay there. Um, so that's another thing to experiment that thinks worth worth trying because it, it will work but but for everybody listening you have to be very careful you're not just going to put him up the rump of a horse that's going to sort of kick and hurt your horse so uh, you have to be a bit careful with that one but but it's, it's it's a very powerful tool using a herd to tell him you know where his place is for that moment so he takes that natural responsibility of a herd animal that's really interesting that, that the solution there is coming from the horse. It's not from us telling them, no, they can't be at the front. That an effective solution is from the horses themselves. That's really, that's really interesting. That's all we for today. 
So thank you very much, Mark. Thank you to all our members for sending those questions in. We've got more coming next week. We hope you can tune in to us then. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening.